get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. on BK. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We're happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Kylie McDaniel, MLB insider for ESPN.com. You can give him a follow on Twitter at KylieMCD. Kylie, we appreciate the time as always, man. Are we going to see this hot stove start heating up again soon after the Yamamoto signing? Yes. I can't tell you if that will be on, on this end of Christmas or even New Year's or the other end. I believe his window closes January 4th. And I think you're probably going to leave a couple days for, you know, make sure the medical goes through, have some time if the medical doesn't go through to get another deal. So it could be as late as like New Year's Day, January 2nd, but I would imagine it'll get done late in December. And I think, yes, the uh, specifically the market I think you'll be asking me about, which is the, uh, the, tr- the trade market for starting pitchers, you know, Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, those sorts of guys. I think that's on hold until Yamamoto lands because there's so many teams that have put out offers for 200 million plus. They got to find out what the answer is first. Before we get there, we got to ask about the Cardinals interest in Yamamoto, which is clearly very high, yeah. Kylie. Uh, Lars Nupar said yesterday uh, that he is still trying to pursue him to get here into St. Louis. And uh, he believes the Cardinals have a real shot here. So Kylie, are, are the Cardinals going to give him 250 million or $300 million Come to on, pitch Kylie. in St. Come Louis? on, Kylie. Yes, 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 yes. If they're willing to give him three hundred million, they got a shot. They're, they're oh, not. <laughs> I'm going to exclusively but, report. But Kylie, that is not happening. Kylie, what if they're willing to give him a three hundred million dollar contract over fifteen years? There you go. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work. Are we, are we deferring most of it? Yeah. Is that oh, and, and all of the posting fee. Yeah, everything's deferred. Yeah, to so, the next no, ownership. I, mean, I would not be willing to take a deferred payment for this segment, so I'm not going to presume that he'll take that. Either. Smart, yeah, smart. That that, uh, that free segment is uh, is going to be tough to defer out, Kylie. Um, all right, let's get to the real stuff that the Cardinals could actually pursue, which Whoa. is that trade market that you, that you mentioned. Do you think the Cardinals are or should be active in those trade discussions for? I mean, frontier frontier starting pitching. Yeah, I think they should be, and it also is, I think, helpful that the prices won't be as insane as maybe some fans are thinking because we're talking about guys with, in Dylan Cease's case, you get two years of control. Uh, Corbin Burns' case, you get one year of control. These are guys that are not going to cost you like three top 100 prospects. It's not a break-the-bank, Juan Soto kind of deal. Uh, it's, you know, palatable. And I think from the last time we talked, it was before Sonny Gray, mm-hmm. and I was saying there there, need, there needs to be like an actual like guy that you feel okay handing the ball in the first game of the playoffs. And I think he's that guy. I don't necessarily feel great about who gets the ball in the second game of the playoffs because Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn very well could just be the innings eaters that like maybe don't even you know pitch in the playoffs. Those kinds of guys. So you better think you know Michaelis or uh, Stephen Matz or maybe Tim Kentz or Libertor or one of those guys can fill that role. And if you go down and look on the farm, at you know there's a nice sort of tier coming in Double A AA and Triple A of guys that will pitch as starters in the big leagues. But none of them are really frontline guys. Tinkens is the only guy that could be it. I'm not sure he's quite at that level. I think he's more at the Sonny Gray level than he would be that, say, Corbin Burns uh, kind of level. And when you look at the depth in the organization now, like I said, at AA and AAA, there, there's arguably too many good young hitters in the lineup for everyone to get ABs. If you look at like Burleson, Carlson, those guys could be like fronting a deal. And then you look at the depth of starting pitchers, like the guys uh, that, that were picked up at the deadline. 
if you were to patch it together three or four of these young guys, you could get you know a year of Corbin Burns, maybe even be in the mix to get two years of Dylan Cease, and that would essentially solve the problem here. We have a couple too many hitters, a couple too many guys in the AA, AAA depth area, not too much in the sense of like you don't want them, but like there's too many guys in depth and quality and in one area when you don't have necessarily that game one, game two starter you need, and those guys are now available for somewhat reasonable prices, and if your limitation is the payroll, then these guys you're trading for solve that problem. So, so I think there's a solution here. I don't know if that's what they're trying to do. Sorry to interrupt there, Kylie. So, so one name, though, that, that popped up a couple of days ago from Ken Rosenthal uh, was Framber Valdez with the Houston Astros. If that name is available, is he the first one that you drop everything and go after if you're the Cardinals? It's a good question. I, I think he certainly seems the most their type out of all of these guys. Uh, and I get the impression that that could be a proactive move from Houston to say that we still need to sign uh, Bregman and Tucker. And so Valdez might be the guy that is sort of left over. He also comes with two years of control like Dylan Cease. I think he's a little bit more predictable and a, and a little bit more the kind of guy that you can feel good about. So, yeah, if you want to throw Valdez, two years of control, for call it 12 and 15 or 16 over the next two years. That's a, certainly a discount over what you have to give him on the open market because I think he'd be a, you know, five for 100 plus would be like what he'd be on the open market at least. Uh, so you're getting a nice discount there, and I don't think that trade price would be crazy. So it would be, it would be your opinion then, Kylie, that it it's not 100% necessary to trade a Nolan Gorman or a Brendan Donovan to be able to acquire one of these guys that could start a game one or a game two for you. Uh, that comes down to what the team wants because sure. some of these teams, I think we've seen examples in the past where they, you know, like what San Diego did uh, in the Soto trade, they wanted five like big league caliber, close to the big leagues guys of different sorts, and they were fine with getting five rather than getting the Jason Dominguez, like the big one. And so, if a team is looking for that kind of haul, St. Louis matches up really well because you could throw in, like I was saying, with Burleson, Carlson, whoever the guys are of that sort of outfield first base mix that aren't going to definitely get a starting spot. You have those guys. Uh, I'm working on my prospect stuff, but uh, one of the guys acquired at the deadline, you may not be aware of, Thomas Segisi, is like sneaky, maybe a top 100 candidate who's also starting the year probably in AAA. So there's another guy to throw on top of that pile that are not, you know, on the top of where Tyler O'Neill was, where they're not quite going to have enough playing time. And then between Libertor, some reverse, uh, Klaffenstein, Drew Rom, Graceffo, McGreevy, uh, Tink Hintz, TK Roby, Cooper Jerpy, all those guys will start in the big leagues and they're all in double A or higher. So you don't necessarily need that many prospects up there. Eventually you'll run into not having spots for all of them. So if you were to sort of package those guys together, you can put a nice package together of three to five guys of varying quality. But if the, if they demand a headliner of, we need a, you know, like a slam dunk obvious guy, I'm not sure there necessarily is that guy that would put you at the front of that race, but maybe no one's offering that guy. So on the other side of the pitching, Kylie, we, we've talked about a lot the bullpen help that the Cardinals are looking for. And Mark Feinsand reports yesterday about Josh Hader and the Cardinals potentially having interest. Does he make sense for the Cardinals and take into consideration the price it's going to cost? Yeah, I think what we're kind of circling right now is there's a little more pitching that can be added to this team. And there's a, some pieces available for a trade, or maybe there's enough money to, to you know, add to the payroll. And when you look at the bullpen, obviously with Helsley, you've got like an obvious option there at the end. And with Jojo Romero, maybe Zach Thompson, you've got some lefties that are good. If you add a shutdown lefty right there, and the eighth and ninth inning is just the black hole where no one's getting out of it, and then all of a sudden Gallegos can go into the seventh, and then all of a sudden you don't, you know, a five and die from a pitcher gets out with two or three runs, that's actually okay because the eighth and ninth is over. That's another way of getting at this. If you can't find that starting solution, Hater could certainly be that option. 
do you prefer that, Kylie, or would you prefer the option of them going out and getting that pitcher? In a best case I sense, I think if of you're course. talking Valdez or Cease, I think that that solves the problem that like you could you could describe as an organizational problem for the last couple of years and maybe projecting into the next few years. So I think if you can find that guy you think is a frontline guy with any non-zero chance of extending them, that I think you take it. But if you're then getting into the, well, it's one year Corbin Burns and he won't extend, it's just one year of a guy, then I'm like, all right, let's talk about Hater because the track record of those guys at the top of the relief market over multiple years is pretty strong. And we've seen that those guys, they give you more in the playoffs than they give you in the regular season, whereas the sort of Gibson Lins of the world, they give you less in the playoffs than the regular season. And right now there needs to be some sort of leverage toward that eighth, ninth inning reliever that throws every game in a seven-game series or that number one starter that can go games one, four, and seven. That's where the rest of these sort of assets that uh, St. Louis has need to go into those sorts of players. All right, Kylie, just a couple of questions left for you. Kind of bigger picture since here. Kylie McDaniels, our guest, you can find his work over at ESPN.com and give him a follow on Twitter as well at Kylie MCD. When you look at this Cardinals offense, Kylie, I think it has become a, a topic of discussion here in St. Louis that there are very differing opinions on some really like the offense, the, a lot of good names in there, but the production kind of waned towards the end of the season. Others uh, think that it's a bit overrated. Where do you stand on your projection? for this Cardinals offense in 2024? Uh, I kind of anticipated this question because I, I keep glossing over. There's like a couple too many guys here. You could probably stand to trade one or two of them after already trading one. Um, and I, I pulled up the uh, Fangraphs depth charts to see if I was crazy because it felt like a top 10 group to me. And they currently have them at, I think, eighth right now. Well, obviously, there's like still some moves to be made. Um, but I think they wouldn't fall much below that, even with the rest of the offseason, if they don't, you know, St. Louis doesn't add any offensive players because of what I was saying. There's so many guys in part-time roles or in double-A, triple-A roles that could come up and fill in. The, the thing that St. Louis does really well is a lot of unheralded young players or, you know, medium-heralded young players are a notch better than you think they'd be. And making sure you're not giving at-bats to, like, a total zero guy that should be on the field, that's how you avoid having that bad offensive season because there's a couple sinkholes in there. They avoid that very effectively because of the sort of player development bent to things. And I think it's also interesting that the entire rotation is 32 and older and almost the entire lineup is uh, in the 20s. And especially when you include like the bench and all those guys, it's like a completely different. It would seem like two different teams made this pitching staff in this lineup because they seem like they're, you know, the the approaches have been very different. Um, But yeah, I'm not worried at all if if there's a situation where like, oh, like the, you know, by the end of the season, this guy got hurt, that guy had a slump, but they ended up, you know, 11th run scored. Are they not a top 10 group? I'm like, I mean, they might not end up exactly where I'm saying they're going to go. But I'm not worried on paper at this point. And final thing, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, the the NL Central, I mean, we've talked about this for years, that it's something that uh, this division keeps everybody in contention because nobody really ever pulls away. I, I thought maybe this was going to be the offseason, especially after they went out and made a big move to get their new manager, that the Cubs uh, would be big-time spenders. Uh, what are you anticipating the Cubs doing this offseason now that they have missed out on Shohei Otani, and it certainly doesn't sound like they're one of the leading contenders for Yamamoto either? I get the impression they're in like a multi-year switching from being pretty good to being a real threat. So I would imagine if they don't do it this off season and the 24 season, I imagine it will be the next winter uh, because they have a lot of guys like Pico Armstrong that are in that sort of triple A area that you're waiting for them to translate. And if they come up and don't do it, then maybe resigning Cody Bellinger makes sense. But I think they're going to let PCA play and luckily Bellinger can play multiple positions. And I'm not sure what his market is. And the same way Blake Snell, uh, two Boris guys, not positive where they're going to land right now. Um, I think the Cubs are waiting and seeing, and I kind of wonder if they're going to be the dangerous factor after Yamamoto and some of the bigger names, and some of the bigger 
uh, payroll teams have made their moves. Do the Cubs then sweep in and all of a sudden have $50 million to spend on the on the next tier of guys or to make that big trade or two? Uh, I kind of wonder like you are. Are they about to do something or are they like a year away from doing a big thing? Interesting. Hey, Kylie, we appreciate the time as always, man. I know you've been a little under the weather this week, so get yourself feeling better. Have a, a very Merry Christmas. And hopefully we'll talk with you soon after this, this frost ends up uh, defrosting off of the hot stove. I'm going to have a lot of thoughts on the Blues to share with you guys, too. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes, Kyle. Do you want to give one hot take real quick? Get me fired up before we go into the end of our show. I just don't know if the four-track is strong enough. There we go. Amen to to that, brother. Kylie, appreciate the time as always, man. (laughs) Have a good one.